presented by AT&T. Good morning, Playbookers. It's Friday, September 3rd. I'm Carlos Prieto, and today for Raghu Manavalan, and this is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. Now that we know that the Supreme Court is not immediately overturning the Texas abortion restrictions, let's take a look at what's next in the battle over reproductive rights in the country and the fate of Roe v. Wade. Already, several states are looking to replicate similar laws as the one in Texas. Politico's Alice Miranda Olstein and Josh Gerstein report that officials in Arkansas, South Dakota, and Florida announced yesterday they're weighing copycat laws and basing their own abortion laws on citizen enforcement. On the flip side, lawyers are telling us that Democrat-led states could take the blueprint of Texas's law and adopt a similar structure for gun restrictions and COVID precautions. Keep in mind, though, that the Supreme Court's refusal to strike down the law on Wednesday was limited to the way the law was implemented. But lower courts could still side against it and strike it down or pause it before other states get to pass their own bills. Meanwhile, Democrats spent Thursday grappling with the realization that there's virtually nothing they can do about Texas's abortion law or the Supreme Court's decision. Throughout the day, President Joe Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said they'd try to fight against it, but internally, they as well as the party at large know that they don't have the votes in the Senate to preempt the Supreme Court's ruling on whether to overturn Roe v. Wade or tilt the scales by expanding the court. And lastly, even some anti-abortion conservatives are arguing that Texas law is just about the worst way to fight against abortions nationwide. These conservatives argue that core parts of this bill, like a so-called bounty hunter provision that allows any private citizen to sue over an abortion, or the fact that this bill has no exceptions for things like rape or incest, are making Republican officials fight against the majority of the popular opinion, even within groups who want to curb abortions. While Congress has been out of D.C. and around the country, we've been keeping track of the tug-of-war within the Democratic leadership as they get ready to put pen to paper on the reconciliation bill. Playbook's Rachel Bade is hearing that congressional leaders within the party are sparring over which health care programs to prioritize in the $3.5 trillion package. At play here is whether the party should use the $5 to $700 billion for health care expected in the bill to widely secure benefits for lower-income individuals or to expand benefits for seniors. On the one hand, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other House leaders want to shore up subsidies for the millions of people using Obamacare beyond 2022, when the current subsidies are set to expire. The fear for these Democrats is that Republicans could try to gut the program once again as soon as they take the House. On the other hand, Senate Budget Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders and other progressives want to expand Medicare to include dental, vision, and hearing benefits, all of which would widely benefit senior citizens. Their argument is that the party could use the money in the reconciliation bill to fund Obamacare for a shorter period of time and expand Medicare, in theory a win-win. And I say in theory because progressives are factoring in here that when push comes to shove, Republicans won't dare to kill the spending on Obamacare if they get back in power. Right in the middle of these groups, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who agrees with Bernie and is trying to negotiate with Leader Pelosi on this issue. Here's what's up at the White House today. At 9 a.m. Eastern, the President will receive the President's daily brief. At 10, he will speak on the August jobs report, and shortly after, he'll leave for Louisiana. Later, at 1.15 p.m. Central, he'll get a briefing on Hurricane Ida from local leaders and a neighborhood tour at 2.35, capped off by an aerial tour on affected communities at 3.55 p.m. The president will leave Louisiana via New Orleans and get to Wilmington, Delaware just after 10 p.m. Eastern. The principal deputy press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, will gaggle on Air Force One on the way to Louisiana. Remember, both the Senate and the House are out. 
Playbook's editor is Mike Zappler. Jenny Almond is Politico's senior producer of audio. The executive producer and head of audio is Irene Noguchi. And before Ragu comes back and snatches the mic off my hands, let me share a project we're all really excited about. What happens in the corridors of Davos? What's being whispered in the UN smoking lounge? I'm Ryan Heath, and for the better part of a decade, I've been there, reporting on the world's most powerful people. But I had a whole career before this. On the other side, working for the very people I now cover, as a spokesperson, speechwriter, and strategist. So I've seen them at their best and their worst moments. And I know what trade-offs they make because it used to be my job to make them. What's it sound like when a CEO dodges a question? And what's behind a prime minister's long pause? Of course I'm worried. We're doing this in a pandemic. We all have to be worried. Uh, We need to see what kind of government the Taliban form. Every week, starting September 15, I'll bring you close to the business leaders, regulators, innovators, and lawmakers who run the world, like NATO's Jens Stoltenberg and Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the US ambassador to the UN. They'll describe their vision for shaping the world, and you'll understand what that future means for you. The balance of power is always shifting. Global Insider is how you keep up. So come on, subscribe to Politico's Global Insider wherever you're listening. I'm Carlos Prieto, and personally, I can't wait to get more of Ryan's accent. See you next week. The following message comes from Politico Playbook Daily Briefing sponsor AT&T. Accessible, affordable broadband helps communities reach their American dream. For Americans like Kamal Bell, founder of Sankofa Farms, it means creating opportunities in their community and providing food security to local food deserts. That's why AT&T is making a $2 billion three-year commitment to help close the digital divide. To learn more, visit att.com slash connecting communities.